We all wish we could talk to animals. As it turns out, we can. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley explores the nature of interspecies communication. What are our animals trying to tell us? Animals commune through love, a force that opens all doors. Listening to them teaches us how to be better humans. Why? We can trust them to tell us the deepest truth about who we are and how one can grow into a more powerful version of self. Laura shares over 20 years of stories and wisdom learned from her work as an animal communicator in this hard and thought-provoking show. Welcome. I'm Laura Rowley, and you can listen to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. I'm on every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Listen online or on your mobile devices. To learn more and for a full schedule, go to DreamVision7Radio.com. DreamVision7 Radio Network is the media partner for the Omega Institute. Thank you very much for joining me. Many of you, many times. I really appreciate all the support and how many times people, I don't know, listen and um, entertain these different ideas about how to communicate with animals and how to connect more deeply with themselves and with the animal kingdom. I'm uh, honored to host this show and appreciate all the support I, I get from people. Thank you. Um, today, we're going to discuss the idea of play. I named the show Go Play. So I almost named the show Go Play Human because that's probably a little bit more what the show is about because I think that's mostly what a lot of our animals would like to direct us humans to do. Um, and I think it's interesting because I, I live in the interface where people talk all the time about different um, sports or showing or activities they're doing with you know, mostly dogs and horses, um, or even trying to play with their cat at home, and, and how human beings find that concept a lot harder than animals, the idea of play. And uh, it's worthy, I think, to notice uh, that about ourselves, because it's sort of tragic that we do that. So the show is explaining a little bit about how animals see the idea of play, and how often I don't know, as humans, we kind of can, we convert it into something that looks a little bit more like work or stress. So if we just look at straight play, why bother? I guess this may be a good question to start with. I mean, why bother to play? We know that our animals invite us to do that when they go get the leash or they drop the ball in our foot or go get the little cat toy and want us to play with them, the, the yarn. Um, and we tend to sometimes participate wholeheartedly and wonderfully with like, yes, let's do that, how wonderful. And other times we think, oh, leave me alone, I have to finish this project, or I'm cooking, or you're in the way, or I'm going to trip over you with that ball if you don't get out of my way. Um, we sometimes put play aside. So let's just talk about why we should not play, put play aside as straight human stuff, um, never even mind the animals and what they benefit from it. But we benefit uh, by really just sort of resetting ourselves when we play. Um, the intensity that we put into our daily human activities, whether it's cleaning your house or working or you know, raising your kids or whatever you're doing, um, we, we get this very driven mindset where we're engaged, we have to get things done, we have our to-do list. Um, that gets our nervous system cranked up and it can be a productive way to live, a lovely way to live, but how do we un wind our nervous systems at the end of the day. 
I mean, I think we all recognize that um, there's a bit of a crisis with being able to do that in our world. It's hard to unwind um, in the face of everything you have to get done to, uh, during the day and then return all your emails and post all your posts and call all your people back. Um, play takes your central nervous system and says to it, let's reset. Let's go back to what our central nervous system is made up of, the parasympathetic nervous system, as well as the sympathetic nervous system. And the parasympathetic nervous system is the one that resets us after sleep, after rest, after meditation, and after play. So it unwinds us and reminds us, oh, let's just breathe, let's pay attention to ourselves for a minute, let's forget about the cares of the day. Um, in a way, it's kind of a great escape from our daily life, uh, but it also heals our nervous system when we participate in it. So our muscles relax, our skeletons relax, a lot of our aches and pains go away. Um, we have a, a Labradoodle at our home named Peaches. And Peaches is a part standard poodle, so she's big. She's like 80 pounds. And she's old. She's 14 now um, for a big dog that's kind of getting old. I've had her since she was two. I got her at, a, at um, an SPCA. And um, Peaches goes for a walk with us every morning. We walk all the dogs every morning. And she's gotten old now, so she starts to walk kind of slow out of the driveway to let you know, like, I don't really think this is your, your idea of fun, but I'm not sure I think this is fun. Meanwhile, the other two younger dogs are charging ahead, and um, so we have to slow down and walk slow for Peaches, and she wants to dawdle. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm supposed to be getting a little exercise here, Peaches. Could we just walk a little faster? Um, like, in other words, she wants to just play. She wants to smell in the leaves. She wants to pee on the bush. She doesn't really want to march around the neighborhood and go three miles like I want to go. That's my idea of play or exercise. Notice how all of a sudden it's kind of more exercise and not really playing. So I've been trying to remind myself the last month, she needs to smell her smells and enjoy being a dog outside in her elder years, and she can't cover three miles. So now we go, I don't know, as far as I think she should go maybe a half a mile, and I turn around and bring her home, and my partner Stephen walks the other two dogs the rest of the way, and then we take turns doing that so that one of us, namely me, doesn't get to be fat by not exercising. So we let Peaches smell the smells, and you dawdle along behind her. It's hardly exercise, but for her it's play. Um, then as she makes her way down the driveway, we let her go back in the house, and maybe then I'll take myself out for a more aggressive walk. Um, now, on that same day where she dragged herself up the driveway, didn't really want to walk, barely was moving, if I went outside with a ball, or a stick, she's half Labrador Retriever, that's what Labradoodles are, I um, threw a stick, she would suddenly start to bound around. The limping would be gone. Her ears would be perked high. She'd start barking with joy, dolphining around like she was a, a dolphin in the sea, making like her back do amazing jumps every step, where she could barely walk that, you know, a quarter of a mile down the road. Um, I have to be careful when I do that with her because I don't want her to hurt herself because her play is so extravagant that she sometimes overdoes what her body can do. 
like kind of like a person, a weekend warrior, um, and then she could get lame again. But it's, it's just startling to see how I thought the walks we were taking her on. My idea of play was a lovely walk. Her idea was let's go play ball, and she completely transforms into a different dog when you do it her way. So we cherish Peaches. We don't want to hurt her over playing with her, so we carefully don't throw the ball too hard or too far. We don't do it for too long. But I make sure I go outside with her after her little walk, because I do want her to get fit and stay strong. But that's exercise, and that's not play for her. So it's a good thing to keep thinking about in this talk today. Like when you play with your pet, are you, is it something they really are having fun doing or not so much? If they ache and they hurt or they're old or they're lame, why don't you give them their time to do it their way um, and figure out a different plan for yourself? That's a conversation I have with a lot of clients. Who are struggling with he just won't walk I don't know he seems anxious or he seems slow or he you know so contemplate what your dog is maybe bred to do is fun like peaches is a retriever so for her even if she feels lousy she's transformed the rest of the day by play it totally changes her so that sort of speaks to what I was saying earlier about the nervous system resets and instead of sort of walking and feeling rotten she seems very perky and happy the rest of the day after she's played. So it elevates her mood. And that goes into that nebulous place of talking about the mind-body uh, connection. Like um, if we're happy, our body feels better. Um, and conversely, if our body doesn't feel well, sometimes it's hard to be happy, right? So um, the mood of true play and the value of true play is that it elevates our mood which can really make us healthier and, and certainly happier, right? Um, it can get rid of depression. There's all kinds of studies that you can read about the effects on blood sugar, blood pressure, uh, depression. You know, the things that, let's be honest, we all probably know someone that suffers from one or several of those things. So getting yourself out there sometime and play is a great thing to do. And if you can do it with your pet, there's a willing partner that's always willing to do it with you, and uh, that brings them joy, but it's super good for you. Um, we talk about the idea when you work, you're kind of like out there fishing like a fisherman, and you're working your stream. You're trying to really get the fish out of the stream. And it can actually make you dried out and tired after a while. You're exhausted. The water feels heavy. You can't wait to sit down by the bank. And it loses its fun after a while. So even when you like your job and you like your kids and you like your life, if you do it too much to excess, it becomes a drag, right? I mean, that's not brain surgery to think of life that way. So play kind of replenishes the stream and makes it interesting again. So if you can find the balance in your life, when you find, oh, I'm a little burned out, play is the counterbalance of being burned out. It, it um, totally reinvigorates us and it does another thing that you know I'm a spiritual person I'm a spiritual healer um, I believe that we live in a very vibrational world play allows you sort of to forget who you are as a person almost like meditating it's kind of, there's a spiritual place about this if you meditate sometimes you don't know if you meditated for two minutes or 20 minutes same if you do yoga um, or a lot of the martial arts. We can name a lot of things. Art will do that for you because it's creative and it's a form of play. So when we 
let play sort of take us over, we're allowing ourselves to be in that very cool space where intense creativity can happen as well as interfacing with what I would call the divine, whatever that larger thing is in the world that some people call God, the divine, the universe. In other words, whatever that's larger than ourselves that seems to provide life force for us all. We are almost inviting in that moment when we're embracing play, when we forgot what time it was because we were having so much fun and we're laughing like crazy, we get big downloads then and big opportunities to have really um, amazing channeling happen where we get into the flow. We all hear about the flow or Zen, right? Oh, I just, you know, I hit the ball exactly right. And the minute I did it, I knew it was going to be a home run um, where it seemed almost effortless. And from that effortlessness, that Zen space, I discovered that I was a great baseball, a baseball player because I all of a sudden just knew how to have it happen perfectly. So that feeling of flow is really kind of participating in, in the divine. And we all have the ability, and a play is a great way to get in there and let um, the creative forces sort of work with your body as we're intended to be worked with versus all the little paranoias and stiffnesses and discomforts we have as humans interfering. We interfere with our own I believe, ability to play with the divine. Let it help us. Let us be filled with that grace of like Zen where we have that beautiful movement and those beautiful feelings. A lot of people feel that when they ride their horse. I know I talk to competitive people and serious horse people all the time. They just feel like all of a sudden the horse helps them as they're playing with their horse riding it and they just feel close to nature or to the godlike feeling of the world and the goodness in us that comes from that. So animals do that really well is my main point. And they invite us to do it really well. Um, and so like it's a, a win-win situation for everyone if you take a moment to pause. And even if you don't have a very playful feeling in your body that day, change your day by changing whether or not you want to go do something playful with your, with your pet, your animal companion, um, whether it's a serious ride on a horse or tossing a ball for your for your Labradoodle, um, think, wow, this is pretty cool stuff that we're just celebrating joy of being alive and moving. Animals, when they're left to their own devices, um, like because they're happy and they're healthy and they're safe, okay, we're going to assume those things, um, they'll always seek out play with each other or with themselves or even with the ground that they lay on. They'll roll around and feel the earth and uh, feel the wind in their hair, um, start hunting something for the sheer joy of, to them, that is play. So they do it really naturally. It's sort of their reset. We do it reluctantly as humans, in my opinion. Okay, And I think everyone would agree with that. We can be a little bit of a neurotic race, right? <laughs> so uh, let them lead you to that. And um, understand, though, that sometimes... The consequences can be your version of play versus their version of play. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Because um, sometimes humans mistake um, work and effort with fun. In other words, we get competitive. Um, 
we have to win the game, <laughs> right? We have to be the best one at the competition. So we start to take our dogs and our horses to shows or competitions, and it's good to challenge yourself to do that. It's most excellent to, you know, use an animal to challenge you to be a better performer and a better rider or a better dog handler. Um, but all of a sudden, we can take something that should be fun and we can turn it kind of ugly by embracing a little too much of our egos and saying, it's important that I be the best at this. So when I use the idea of play, I'm using it with the idea that we're not competing. We're enjoying. So it's a kind of passive state, right? Um, and I think that a lot of people that are really great competitors um, will tell you that it's almost effortless for them to do things because they're just so intent and so focused that it's fun for them. But most of us who are amateurs and struggle a little around the boundaries of maybe being the ultimate warriors when it comes to competing, some of us, the amateurs in the world, turn it kind of into unfun. We make, we kind of rain on our own parade. So I want to I want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, you know, why do we do that? And um, what's in it for us? Why, what's, what's our intention when we decide to take something that should be fun and turn it into work? Um, for instance, I, I often hear people use the phrase, well, I'm going to work my horse now. I, I've used it myself. Guilty as charged. Um, so why do we call it work? You know, why aren't we saying I'm going to play with my horse? Um, we start to stick that work ethic in there, that if you work hard, you'll get good results. Well, that's true. But sometimes if you practice with laughter and fun, you might get way better results because you find that Zen place where graced by the divine, suddenly the animal becomes more alive and more interested in what we're doing. We're not working him. We're enjoying him. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that after I tell you about something pretty exciting for me to be doing in my life. Um, I'm, I'm mentioning this. It's, it's a mentoring class that I'm starting online uh, for hmm, 25 years, 20 years. I had every Friday, every other Friday in my living room, people would come to my house and we would talk about topics that helped you grow your ability to be more intuitive and more psychic. Um, so everyone from my accountant to my doctor to friends who knew would come to these meetings. They, my living room held about 23 people, so that's about how many people I would uh, let come every Friday. Um, and it evolved for years and years where some of the pe same people continued to come because they realized that they were finding some depth and some understanding in their own intuitive abilities. And um, then I segued it into learning how to talk to their animals as they became more advanced. So I'm going to introduce a class online if you, um, you want to read about it. Um, you can contact my assistant. Um, her name is Karen Klein. And it's Kay Klein. 2011 at gmail.com. So it's Karen Klein, and it's kklein2011 at gmail.com. And um, you can also leave a message on my work number, 352-369-5993. That's dedicated work line. She'll answer it if you leave a message that you're just inquiring. Um, it's going to be five sessions on Zoom calls 
an hour and a half long each on Saturday morning starting February 4th, 2022. Um, Karen can give you the details. There will be a moderator to uh, present in each of the 90-minute sessions. And I'll be leading you through um, lectures, um, exercises, and then I'm going to give you homework so that in a week and a half, when, or excuse me, in two weeks when we come back for the next session, um, you'll have practiced some of the things that we talked about in my lecture and be ready to kind of move on to the next thing. It's going to be super fun. Um, as I said, I did this for years with so many people that never thought they had an intuitive or psychic bone in their bodies. And they had, it, it was kind of a really cool um, discovery process of you have way more brain power than you realize to do way more than you want to do or that you've ever been shown to do if you just know have somebody lead you through it. So that's the premise. You can be a complete beginner or you can be kind of advanced and just want to brush up some skills and try something different with somebody else. Um, so that's the first round of classes. They're going to be held at um, Eastern Standard Time at 10 in the morning until 1130 every other Saturday starting February 4th. Um, 2022 and it's kind of a building your intuition foundation and it's in response to a lot of people are asking me to mentor them so this is kind of the, a good class to get all your um, yourself organized for how to be um, intuitive and really have your skills set up because then the mentoring class which will follow sometime in um, early the first half of 2023 I'll let you know when that's going to be um, that's going to be for people that really want to learn how to talk to animals and do animal communication so if you're at all interested uh, Karen Klein is uh, kklein2011 at gmail.com if you contact her she can tell you more about the class and how it works and and um, you know answer any questions you might have um, I appreciate you listening and I appreciate everyone wanting to mentor and I think people are intrigued by animal communication and it's my honor and I feel like my duty honestly to sort of segue into doing more teaching since the COVID epidemic uh, I used to travel a lot more I used to have in-house workshops and those got disrupted so I thought I better get with the program here and have a zoom uh, platform so that we can all start learning and having some fun together so thank you for listening and I'll be back with you in just a few moments Animal Connections with Laura Rowley is an intuitive show created for you to learn what it's like to talk to animals. Laura shares 20 years of experiences of being a pet psychic and healer every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, media partner for the Omega Institute. Our beloved animals share our lives and have amazing insights into our well-being, providing us with opportunities for personal growth once we truly begin to listen. It's fun to use animal wisdom to enhance our emotional and spiritual world. Who better than our furry friends to teach us the wisdom born of unconditional love? What if your dog, cat, or horse could help you with your love life? What would they suggest? It's fun to think about and a wonderful way to conduct yourself. After all, animals know well how to love and invite us to love them unconditionally. That's a pretty great way to live life. Animals always communicate with our highest good as their central focus, even when sometimes we feel stymied or frustrated with their behavior. Visit laurarowleyhealer.com to book a workshop or private long distance phone reading. 
Laura's readings and workshops help you find the part of you that's able to tune in and connect to your amazing animals. Laura Rowley believes we can all understand by listening differently. Book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading now by going to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. Quantum Jumps presents a radical new paradigm that we exist in an interconnected holographic multiverse in which we literally jump from one parallel universe to another. In a moment, you can become smarter, more confident, happier, more outgoing, more effective, in better relationships with more willpower. When you sense a new connection to another possible you, living the life you'd prefer, immerse yourself naturally into that new state of being. And voila, you've made a quantum jump. Supported by scientific research, Quantum Jumps is an inspirational book backed with practical tools to help you live a happier, more prosperous life. Learn more at quantumjumps.com. Are you searching for a way to help create global change? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's vision is to have an eclectic group of radio hosts dedicated to educating, enlightening, and helping humankind with positive messages and tools that enhance lives using different modalities and programs. If you would like to join our team and help illuminate the universe, call Deborah at 508-226-1723 or Deborah at dreamvision7radio.com. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to DreamVision7Radio.com. This is DreamVision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back. I'm Laura Rowley, and you're listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. I'm on every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen online or on your mobile devices. To learn more and for a full schedule, go to dreamvision7radio.com. DreamVision 7 Radio Network is the media partner for the Omega Institute. You can download and listen to the talks at your convenience anytime you want to. Um, they're free, and there's lots of good people that uh, do shows on DreamVision 7. Um, you're listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley, and we are talking today about the idea of playing. The show's called Go Play. So I'll Go Play Human may be the, what we want to say here. So we're talking a little bit about play versus competition now. So a horse show, a horse competition, a jumper show, an event, a dog show, um, doing any kind of uh, agility with your dog, herding with your dog, scenting with your dog. Those start out as playful activities that take what animals like to do with us or have been trained to do with us. And then it's really enjoyable to take it out into the, the community and say, oh, I'm going to 
I'm going to go see how good I do this in comparison to other people, and can I learn more by watching other people compete, and what can I learn about myself? So that's all good stuff. Um, that certainly falls under, under play. But what can happen is when we focus on winning when we play, because we're watching what other people do and we think, well, I should be able to do that. Why can't I do that? And we start to think little niggling ideas that I would say are more ego-based than play-based. We start to want to be right and we, sweat. we want to be the best one lots of times. Um, we want to vindicate, vindicate ourselves. So um, we start to think little ideas like, I must improve. I have to get better. Look how well she's doing that, and I can't even do that at all. If I want to get better, I should have been practicing more than I'm practicing. Um, we start to lose perspective. And I've noticed in myself, I might add, as well as in many people that I know very well, I speak to competitors all day, every day in my practice about animals. They start to believe their own story that has to do with, um, I should have done more, I should have worked harder, uh, I need a different coach, um, oh, that person rides with so-and-so and they're a better trainer than my trainer, so I should really start to practice with that trainer. And before very long, we lose perspective on why we're doing it and we can lose our sense of play pretty fast. Um, most of the people that I talk to on a daily basis that are competing with animals are really kind of often calling me because they've lost perspective. Like I sort of feel like my job is actually, we could title my job, Laura Rowley, Animal Communicator, Psychic, and Reminder of Perspective. Now, it doesn't mean I don't need perspective shifts myself, <laughs> okay? But I'm there to help you when you call me get your perspective based on the animals. So, for instance, let me give you a concrete story. A um, gentleman who's um, a very serious amateur, very good amateur, um, his name is Mark, and he shows jumpers. So, um, the jumpers have to go at speed and not knock down any rails in their course. Uh, so, it's very much about t against the clock. So, it's got a competitive edge, um, and Mark was a really good competitor. He was very successful with his horse, Juniper. And so, uh, Jupiter, not Juniper, Jupiter. So, um, Jupiter um, started to go into the arena all crooked and not really straighten out through the course of his jumps. So, he started to take down rails because he was hitting them with his hind legs because he was going at the jumps um, crooked. And so, he would dangle his right hind leg and crack the jump, the rail comes down, market's uh, score that, you know, makes him lose. Um, he might do that for three or four of the jumps, and that was a change of behavior um, for Jupiter. So, so Mark said to me, you need to tell him that he has got to go straighter. This is crazy. He knows how to go straight. So whenever you hear yourself, you need to tell him. You're probably barking up the wrong tree because you're starting to base your happiness on what another animal is doing, and you're starting to want to influence them by based on what you expect. Now, good performance requires high expectations. I'll say that again. If you want to be good at what you do, you have to have high expectations. You have to practice properly. So Mark had been doing that, and at home, in his home, in, in his home arena, his horse, Jupiter, was jumping straight and true. 
the minute they got to um, a horse show, the horse got all crooky and robbly, which is why he was taking down rails. So Mark's point was saying, you know, you need to tell me this to go straight no matter what. I understood where he was coming from. He was frustrated. Um, so I asked Jupiter what, what the problem was. You know, why was he all of a sudden going more crooked when he left his home farm? So he started to talk to me about his nervousness and his anxiety about being away from his herd of horses that he had at home. Um, so Mark said, well, he's a professional. He could leave the farm for a few hours and come back and tell him I'll always take him back to the farm. Um, he needs to focus. So again, the idea, tell him he needs to do something. But it turns out that Jupiter was having some health issues. And he, he shared those with me. And the, the side effect of those health issues, um, one of which was a vitamin E deficiency, um, which turned out to be true by the vet took blood work and he had a vitamin E deficiency. Um, so he wasn't absorbing it well, so it was bothering his, um, his muscles to go compete and he added a little tension and suddenly his muscles felt all crooked on him, like they were, they call it tying up in, horse, in the horse world. And it means basically that you're cramping when you go to engage your muscles. And it can be a problem with a lot of different nutrients, but vitamin E can be a big culprit. So um, Mark didn't realize that that was happening, and it was because Jupiter was getting nervous. So sometimes you combine nerves with not enough vitamin E and frightened muscles, and all of a sudden you lose muscle control and start to have spasms. Um, it's not uncommon in horses that jump or horses that do dressage either. Um, so um, I, asked, I said, well, we're going to fix the the problem by talking to a vet is make sure we get you all the right nutrients you need. Um, so what else can we do for you? So he said that um, Mark had a theory that he thought horses would focus best if they were left in their stall quietly for, before his, his classes. So he would put them in the small little, you know, like 10 by 12 class stall and um, ask him to, you know, relax, drink some water, eat some hay, I'll be back here before the class. But it turns out that that was making uh, Jupiter nervous. He wanted to go outside and all the sounds outside of his barn, he wanted to go see what they were and kind of breathe in the atmosphere of the show and calm down by moving, not by staying still. So Mark had an idea that if we focus in a certain way by relaxing in your stall, you'll be better. Jupiter had the idea that if I could move around, my muscles would relax, I would relax, and I wouldn't start to do that whole cycle where I start to cramp and my muscles don't work well. So we, we had an in-depth conversation, and Mark very willingly shifted how he was willing to focus and practice and prepare the horse by taking him out of the stall for most of the day before his class and letting him roam around and look at the sights. Their performance completely improved um, and, you know, order was restored. So it's kind of a place where we get an idea of how to win or practice means you go stand in your stall and you be quiet and you'll be fine when I need you. And the horse had a totally different concept. So we kind of wrecked the idea of what should have been a play, a fun, let's go jump this course, let's go fast, let's win, which Jupiter loves to do because his idea of how do we win turns into we can only win by Mark's rules, not Jupiter's rules. That scenario plays out so many times a week in my office <laughs> with people that have dogs, um, people that have horses, um, doing all kinds of different things with them. 
it's that idea that we forget we have to think about what works for them. Another dog story is Petunia. She was a show dog. She was bought by two girlfriends who were dear, very dear friends and loved showing their dogs together. And um, they, they did the obedience classes. So the idea is that the dog has to be um, in tune to whoever handles them and immediately um, when a command is issued, the dog has to show a willingness to immediately comply. And this was a fun thing. They used to travel around the southeast United States together for weekends and meet, and they'd compete the dog. Um, so it was their fun project. But the dog, Petunia, hated the whole thing. She was horrible at it. So when they called me, um, they said, she, she's so great in classes, but she won't stand still when we go to the ring and we lose. So we spend all this money and time and we're two friends that want to have fun together and instead it's horrible. So we've hired all these different uh, competitive handlers to teach us how to handle her better and she just won't even obey at all. And you know she's terrible. So tell us what's wrong with Petunia because she's great at home at doing anything that we ask her to do. So Petunia really just was afraid of the whole thing. It made her anxious. She just didn't think it was fun. So animals shut down when they don't think it's fun. And that's what she was doing. She's, and she was very clearly saying, you guys might think this is fun, but I don't want to do it. So they, of course, said the thing that everybody said says to me, tell her she has to just do it for a few minutes every week. But whenever you throw the word has to, I'm imposing my will on something when I say that. And when you do that, you take the play out of it. Right? When you ask somebody else to do something they don't want to do for your idea of enjoyment, you just killed the notion of play and Zen and everything that's great about the whole thing. So we had to work with Petunia and find a different sport that the ladies could do together that would be fun for her, which was uh, she actually wanted to go do and learn agility, jumping fences, going through tunnels. And, and running and enjoying, not just sitting very still at the end of the leash and sit, stay, lay down. She wanted to express herself. So that was her idea of play. So the ladies, wonderful ladies that they were, said, okay, you're right. Why are we doing this? Let's, they had to shift their whole paradigm and find a new sport. But they did it because they love Petunia. And Petunia taught them a little bit about being more open-minded and more willing to, um, instead of forcing someone to do it the way you wanted to do it, they thought, well, that's silly. Let's just do something she wants to do. So they explored, and that ended up being like a big source of their friendship of what can we do that will be fun for Petunia? So they made it fun. So the question that you should always ask yourself when you're competing any animal is what, what's the opportunity here for me to learn? What, there's a silver lining in all this confusion and all this negativity between me and the animal where it's not going well. What is it I could learn? What's, what am I being invited to learn? So when you see life that way as an opportunity to learn something different or new, instead of it has to be how I want it, ah, instead, this could be fun, I'm going to learn something new, then everything that you learn that you do becomes more about play and you feed into the whole big paradigm of a playful life and a good life balance. So this is Laura Rowley, and you are listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. Um, I can be reached at laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y-H-E-A-L-E-R.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll be right back with you. 
What if your dog, cat, or horse could help you with your love life? What would they suggest? It's fun to think about and a wonderful way to conduct yourself. After all, animals know well how to love and invite us to love them unconditionally. That's a pretty great way to live life. Animals always communicate with our highest good as their central focus, even when sometimes we feel stymied or frustrated with their behavior. Visit laurarowleyhealer.com to book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading. Laura's readings and workshops help you find the part of you that's able to tune in and connect to your amazing animals. Laura Rowley believes we can all understand by listening differently. Book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading now by going to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley is an intuitive show created for you to learn what it's like to talk to animals. Laura shares 20 years of experiences of being a pet psychic and healer every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, media partner for the Omega Institute. Our beloved animals share our lives and have amazing insights into our well-being, providing us with opportunities for personal growth once we truly begin to listen. It's fun to use animal wisdom to enhance our emotional and spiritual world. Who better than our furry friends to teach us the wisdom born of unconditional love? Are miracles real? Can you move from mayhem to miracles? 30 prominent authors say yes as they share their high fives and down lows of challenges, abuse, addiction, and love. Experience hope, the magic elixir of miracles, through the personal stories of New York Times best-selling authors James Redfield, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Sister Jenna, Reverend Temple Hayes, and many more. If you like bestsellers, chaos to clarity, and crappy to happy, you'll love crying and laughing through Mayhem to Miracles, sacred stories of transformational hope, available now on Amazon and in bookstores worldwide. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. This is Laura Rowley, and you are listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. I am on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, We're talking about the concept of play and what it does for us as human beings. Let us participate in something that's pretty close to the divine. And animals are great at it and teach us a lot about how to do it. We, as humans, tend to get a little unfun. I think one thing that you can look at yourself, when you start to compete, um, what kind of competitor are you? Like, if you know that about yourself, it's a big, it's a big clue about how well you'll partner with your animal. Like, for instance, I'll tell, I'll tell a story about myself. I got ready to do a dressage uh, workshop last weekend that was um, me really just learning how to ride a different way with a really lovely trainer, and I'm. Um, 
I broke my leg last year, so I'm rusty, and I haven't done anything competitive in like two years, oh, maybe three years. And um, so I didn't have the right equipment. I wasn't sure where my stuff was. It was super cold out. I didn't have a warm enough coat for the weather. Like, So I started to do this whole thing um, where I signed up for this for the joy of riding my horse better. I want to ride him a little softer and lighter. Um, he's a lovely horse. His name's Pablo. I'm honored to get to ride him. And we have these places where we're not really understanding each other. So I wanted to take a lesson with a trainer about what I'm doing with my body that I could do better. So this should be playful, right? This is my sport. This is my passion. I love Pablo. Instead, this is what I did the morning of the competition. I got up earlier than I wanted to, so I didn't have enough sleep. And my stomach was nervous, so I didn't eat right. Um, but I did drink a lot of water, so it was good. Then I went to the barn, and I paced around, and I opened one zippered thing, and where's my helmet? I don't know what I did with that damn thing. Oh, I can't find my gloves. Oh, I'm so ill-prepared. I'm not ready to do this. I know I shouldn't have signed up for this. Oh, I hope this wasn't a horrible mistake. Poor Pablo's going to have to ride with me when I don't have all my equipment and I don't know where it was. So you can hear how I, turn I was turning the whole thing. Now, that was just the first minute after I got out of my car, what I just said. I did that for two and a half hours. Now, the only thing that I'll give myself some kudos for, some credit for, is I heard myself doing it. And that is the trick. Hear yourself as a competitor. I was sort of whining ahead of time that I was ill-prepared and I shouldn't be challenging myself and who did I think I was. And I was making up a story about myself that isn't that true. I practiced really hard. So what if I couldn't find my helmet? It was only in my car. But I was turning everything into sort of this drama that was like my monkey mind pulling me out of the grace of play. So our competitive ego mind, well, I didn't want to go in that ring and fail, right? Our competitive ego mind that is afraid of failure, afraid of looking human, afraid of looking stupid, will kind of go into these cycles of despair where we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot before we even get started, right? None of what I was telling myself was strictly true. I was sort of making stuff up because I was nervous. I just had a little stage fright. I needed to be kinder to myself and say, well, you had a broken leg. You are kind of weak. At least you're starting. You know, be happy. And Pablo's always generous. And you'll just tell the instructor you can't do much. And Pablo doesn't care if you don't do much. So why are you picking on yourself about this? So that negativity can creep in. Now, with me, that was a good example of some, like an amateur, an older amateur person trying to kind of get back up to snuff. But I hear a lot of older amateur people do that. Or only the good guys can, you know, only the professionals will really, you know, be good in the class. And I hope I don't embarrass myself. And, oh, I know I should have practiced harder and I didn't practice much last week. Or I gained 30 pounds and I shouldn't have gained weight. I hear people do this to themselves all the time. So hear yourself do it and start to learn for the benefit of the well-being of your whole life, as well as that of the competitive nature with your horse, what is it you always do before you compete that might not be very playful? So in other words, use play as sort of a guide to show, well, I'm not playing, I'm not playing here at all. I'm being a big drip, you know? Some people, for instance, when they play get crabby, don't talk to me, I'm concentrating. Some people get kind of giddy or nervous. They forget what they're doing. They walk in circles. So start to know a little bit what your habit is 
so that you can say to yourself, well, there I go again. I'm falling out of play. I'm making this not very fun. I won't be very fun for Pablo if I'm all discombobulated and mentally anxious. And I'm certainly not any fun to myself, so why am I even doing this? And start to laugh at yourself and get back into play. I'm doing this because I love Pablo. I'm going to go have fun this afternoon. And so what if it's not so good? At least I showed up. So learning to know how you compete. Are you joyful, relaxed, spoil sport? Be honest with yourself, right? Or are you crabby? Do you tend to get a little angry and competitive with people? Just speak out of a state of nervousness. Often we do it and we don't even know we're doing it. So learn that about yourself and then learn to say to yourself, oh, so let's stop it. And then you shift into a playful mode and boy, your performance will be completely different with an animal because they will always join up and play. That's what I started out telling in the beginning segment today. They'll always join us with play. They love play. So now your performance starts to be like kind of fantastic and sparkly. And you think when you get done doing it, wow, that was really fun and they did really well. We all watch the dogs at Westminster. The one that wins best of show might not have even been the most good-looking dog, but you all saw him twinkle his little toes as he trotted down Madison Square Garden's runway, saying, look at me, I love doing this, and I'm amazing, right? They're joyful. So the good handlers aren't the ones saying, you must do it my way. You cannot do that ever. Don't look at the crowd. Don't do this. Watch what you're doing. The handlers that know how to handle well, that win at Madison Square Garden, they let the animal shine because they're letting it be fun for them. They turn it into a game, right? So learn how to do that for yourself. No matter, you know, I'm just a little person riding in, outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm, I'm not a wonder to the world when I ride. I'm only a wonder to myself and my horse if I'm having fun right? So get real, get your perspective. And I think professionals have to do that too. They take things and they make it um, confusing for horses or for dogs if they don't teach them that by pleasing me, you're bringing me joy. And by bringing me joy, I'm happy and smiling. And you, they can feel that vibratorily with us. Animals feel joy with each other, and with us really readily, it's a language for them. That playfulness that seeps from us versus anxiety, anger, fear. You know, so if you look at when you take your animal out into the world to compete him or play with him in your living room, it's an opportunity to drop all those um, awful human emotions and elevate your energy field. If you get in the habit of elevating your thoughts, your mood, your energy, um, you'll find that you cycle much less frequently back down into those negative things. So it can be really, truly wonderful. Um, and, you know, sometimes um, there's just confusion between, um, like, the human goal, like, perhaps let's just say, well, um, an agility dog, I want you to jump through 10 obstacles and um, as fast as you can. Well, maybe the animal just doesn't really know how to do it or what the purpose is. They don't know, for instance, they're supposed to go fast, <laughs> you know, um, or that they can't skip the ones they, that, that they like. They have to go through all of them. So <clears throat> if you find yourself in a tricky spot in a case with something like that where your animal just sort of isn't getting it or smile at them, 
because we tend to not smile well, and they read facial expressions and body expressions really well. So smile at them like, well, you just did the last three things, great. Now here's the fourth one that you're a little sketchy on. Smile like, you're okay. This is great. Instead, we get worried like, oh, no, he's going to go by that tunnel and not run through it. And he's supposed to run through it. Oh, no. The minute you think that thought, they're more likely to stop and run around the tunnel than go through it because you just invited them to feel like, that's a scary thing you're going to do, and I see you're about to do it wrong, and uh-oh. So using facial expressions that are happy, joyful, smiley, really important when you're a competitor, as well as your voice, petting them a lot. I know this sounds sort of obvious, but I can't tell you how often I go to competitions and watch people do none of that because they're, they're lost in their own, now my coach told me to do this and I'm not supposed to do that. And Oh, God, I forgot my piece of equipment. The thing I was telling you that I was doing with Pablo before my little class, our monkey mind takes over, which is our ego which is the paradigmatic opposite place from where you want to be working. You want to be working from that divine sense of zen-like joy, right? Amazing results for yourself on that day, for the animal, but also for your relationship with them and for your relationship with your life. Because who wants to go do something and be crabby, sad, oh, I knew I couldn't do it, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I mean, why bother, right? Um... And you can also ask yourself, like, um, if I know, say, I'm a, a nervous Nelly when I get to shows like I was being the other day, um, ask yourself, you know, would Pablo like to hang out with me all day? Like, you know, no, <laughs> I wouldn't want to hang out with me all day. So when you watch yourself doing something a little bit because you're nerve-wracked, ask yourself, is this what my pet deserves, my loved friend? Right? Those two ladies that had that lovely dog, Petunia, they were getting mad at each other. You didn't handle her right. You know, they were starting to like quarrel a little because they were disturbed that they couldn't get this project off the ground. And Petunia watched all that and thought, I hate this. And so she let them know, you're not really behaving like anybody I want to hang out with. So I'm not going to do it. (laughs) So it was very clear to her. Right? And so many times um, we get an idea, like <clears throat> this woman used to take her dog, her name was Patty, she took um, her dog Marble, who was a Labrador, uh, to watch her kids play soccer. So the call that she placed me was she wanted me to get her Marble to stop barking because she was barking on the sidelines and it was disrupting everyone and they were going to kind of get kicked off the soccer field if she didn't stop and she really wanted Marble, you know, to be with the kids and she wanted to take Marble out because it'll be so much fun. We'll sit on the bench quietly and watch the kids play and Marble, please be quiet. So she couldn't get her to be quiet so she called me. So it turns out we, of course, asked Marble, what's going on, Marble? You know, why are you barking? And she just wanted to go out and run with the kids. Her idea of play wasn't to sit there and watch. She wanted to chase the ball. (laughs) That's where the good times were, not sitting on the bench with Patty. And when I told Patty that, she laughed, and she goes, well, I guess I knew that. And I said, well, you're kind of torturing her, taking her to a playground and not letting her play, because Marble was a young, active dog. So it was sort of Patty's idea that it would be fun to sit with her friends and have her dog quietly at her side. Marble's idea was, let's go to a dog park so I can chase a ball. So we made a little 
uh, game of it where um, Patty stopped somewhere along the way at a park and played ball with Marble. And I asked Marble if we did that and we kind of tired her out, could she then go to the soccer game and have it still be fun for Patty? And it worked. Um, so we just had to redefine play for everybody. So play is an interesting thing to think about. And I hope that you have enjoyed the show today and that you, um, you know, use your goals and challenge yourselves to do things that are fun and competitive, but also, you know, lighten up and learn to be a better version of yourself, like, so that you feel really great at the end of whatever you just did. And if you're not sure how to do it, just sort of fake it till you make it. Animals respond to leadership, right? They really do. They love a good leader that said, I don't know what we're doing exactly, but it's going to be fun. That's a really strong place to start from. So I want to thank you so much again for listening. This has been Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on DreamVision7Radio.com. Thank you for joining Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. Heard every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Laura next time to discover how you can embrace the wisdom flowing from your loved animals. Communication starts with an intention to understand. Each week, Laura helps you find your own unique ability to create a better understanding of yourself as taught through the loving eyes of your animals. To connect with Laura Rowley, go to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.